can't get enough eye-popping, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping reality TV. It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one-month free trial now. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. Please visit HelloFresh.com and use the promo code FILMCAST35 to save $35 off your first week of deliveries. That's HelloFresh.com and use the promo code FILMCAST35. That's the word FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, and the number 35, FILMCAST35, to save $35 off your first week of deliveries. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devinder Hardwar. And Jeff Kanata. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. Today is the much-anticipated episode, at least much-anticipated by us. I shouldn't say that everyone else in the audience is anticipating <laughs> it, but I'm anticipating it because I enjoy sure. doing this episode with you guys. Slash Filmcast's Top 10 Films of 2016. Uh, this is an episode that uh, typically is our most downloaded episode of the year. Uh, a lot of people who have left the Slash Filmcast uh, fold come back just to listen to this one episode. So welcome back. If you're listening, try some of our other episodes too. Uh, we hope you enjoy them. But stay in the fold. Th- stay in the fold. It's a great fold. I love being yeah, in the fold. It's like one of the best folds. It's a nice fold to just nest up in, you know? It's yeah, a nice fold. Get anyway, stuck in there. Get stuck in there, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so our top 10 films of 2016, uh, lots to discuss. Before we get to it, though, I thought it would be useful to just uh, talk about the movie year overall. You know, what, what has been your experience of the year? I, I think he, here's a few observations I would make about 2016, especially when you compare to 2015, okay? Uh, 2016, I think, was a year where you really had to work hard to see the good movies. I think there were some great, fantastic movies out there. I think people who think, you know, cinema is dead or whatever, I think that's nonsense. Um, but I do think you needed to work harder than you had to in years past to go see them, to find out when the movie's playing locally, to go see it. And kind of related to that, I think as a result of that, we have probably the least overlap in our three lists than we have ever before uh-huh. in um, in our top ten of the year. Because most previous years, there would be a, lo- a lot of consensus over what are the best movies of the year. But because a lot of the best movies this year are kind of indie films, are kind of smaller, lesser-known movies, very few – I think only one movie on my list made over $20 million domestically. So very You're few of my movies were big hits. Game. Yeah, seriously, Total dude. hipster, total hipster. Um, so – those are some of my observations. Just a lot less consensus, a lot fewer Mad Max Fury Roads, right? Uh, a lot more Hunt for the Wilder Peoples right. out there this year. I mean, year. We, we never really had a lot of Mad Max Fury Roads, though. So. Uh, yeah, but yeah. there yeah, are, that, that movie is outlier. kind of a weird thing. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying is, I guess, like a, mm-hmm. a very popular movie that did well at the box office that was mm-hmm. also critically acclaimed that a lot of people 
really loved. I feel like yeah. there's a lot fewer of those on the list this year. Was that last uh, year that Mad Max came out? Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, God, it seems, seems like, so long ago. and that was the that was a year where we all three had the same number one movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was what again? Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of consensus last year. Um, yeah. But uh, any observations from you guys? What do you, not, what do you guys like, think of the year? I, I don't know if it's the release cycle that has led to the you know the differences in our top tens. Just because we we all kind of end up having to see the movies anyway, and we're all in major markets, so it's not like uh, other than Silence, which isn't available in Seattle yet. Like we all have access to most of these movies. Uh, to me, the big difference is that there there is just so much good stuff. You know, like maybe they're not all wide releases, but go look at the, you know, Rotten Tomatoes list of, you know, top rated movies this year. It's an insane list. It seems like there's just so much good stuff to choose from, which is why, you know, we all end up choosing different things. And that's, yeah, that's how it's lo- again, a lot to choose from, but each yeah. one is a lot lesser known, I think, uh, in general. I in, guess. In terms I, of guess. I mean, look, last year we had Revenant. Fury Road, Inside Out, each one of those movies made like a couple hundred million dollars, right? Yeah, each one of those. Awesome. Force Awakens, $250 million opening weekend. You know, so it's just like this year, it's just a lot less. I think it's in terms a bad of, year for big cinema. Yes, it's a bad a year for point. big cinema, a bad year for yeah. sequels, right? Yes. A bad More year for. year for sure. I think it was a uh-huh. worse, it was a worse summer season than. Oh, yeah. Than any time in recent memory. Uh, there were more just. Terrible, terrible movies in the summer, and uh, but I will say I think this is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm not if I'm not thinking of a, another year, but I think this might be the best year for animation of all time. Hmm. I think you have you have Moana, you have Zootopia, you have Kubo and the Two Strings, you have Anomalisa, you have what's what am I forgetting? Um, I mean those four movies alone. Hmm are all excellent and I- interesting and super high quality. I I can't think of another year where there hasn't been uh I mean, I guess that we also had, you know, um uh, uh, Well, I, I think you're forgetting I think you're forgetting uh the best animated film of the year, uh Sausage Party, Jeff. Sausage yeah, Party. There you go. And oh, we also forgot Trolls as well. So. Trolls and 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 there was a uh, uh, Ice Age movie that came out, I think. And <laughs> Secret nobody Life noticed. Pets, but, yeah. Angry Birds, you yeah. know. I guess there's a lot of crap, but really good, <laughs> really good stuff too. Maybe I overstated ever. It was yes. a really good movie yes. year for animation. It's a good year. There was a lot of diversity in terms of quality and subject matter for animation. How about that? I'll give you that. The Ratchet and Clank movie came out this year, right, Jeff? Huh? <laughs> What, and Sing? Sing happened? Yep. Well, Sing is happened. Is happening right now. It's happening. All right. Well, I may have overstated it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm very impressed with the quality of animated films this year, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, those are our overall thoughts on the year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's been a good year for movies. But I think, like you said, Devendra, big movies, it's been pretty rough. Uh, I just remember there's a period in summer where week after week, We'd have like Jason Bourne, Suicide Squad, uh, you know, all oh, these man. awful reboots that no one gave a crap about, or, or Suicide Squad, which is like a disaster of a film. Uh, this is also a movie where, yeah, DC came out with two pretty rough 
yeah. tentpole blockbusters, uh, Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad. You just Su- reminded me of another dis- most disappointing movie of the year. <laughs> Suicide yeah. Squad did very well, right? But, uh, so did Batman. I don't know if Batman did that well. Like from a, in terms of expectations, I don't think it did that well. Um, so basically, we haven't learned anything, and everything will be terrible from now on. Didn't it have like the biggest opening weekend of of ever? that month? Yeah, I mean, you know, it did. It, it made over eight hundred seventy million dollars worldwide. Yeah, it did fine. It did fine. It did fine. But it it did not do. I mean, compare it to like The Dark Knight. Uh, and it did and not it, do. It is subpar in every imaginable. <laughs> yeah, I metric. mean, the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight made over a billion dollars, you know, and that was uh, 2008 money, you know. So, anyway, you'd expect when you add Superman to the Batman equation, or vice versa, that you'd make more money than you'd make with just Batman, you know, by the uh, what is it, additive principle or whatever. <laughs> anyway, the transitive power. The transitive of power of Batman. Anyway, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So, uh, all right. All that being said, enough of the bad things. We'll get to more of that later. <laughs> let's, let's get to our top 10 films of 2016. So let's start with number 10, Devinder Hardwar. Your number 10 film of 2016. My number 10 is pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Cool. And yeah, this is a movie uh, we talked about. it. I think we all really liked it when we reviewed it. Uh, but it's a movie I've ended up uh, revisiting quite a bit. Um, there's so much that's memorable and just really hilarious in this thing and there's also if you guys end up buying this thing at some point which i'd recommend there's like 50 minutes of deleted scenes and just like legitimately great stuff that they couldn't fit into the movie uh this is a great film and there's even more of it out there and i wish everybody could see it is there anything about this movie that speaks to you specifically Devendra? I, just, I think the his songs, years in the boy band that all yeah all my boy band <laughs> years but i think in particular the music is both like catchy and good but hilarious at the same time and also like making a statement on modern uh music pop culture in general too and pop culture overall like it's i really like andy sandberg and what he does so this is like a just a great you know mixing of many things i love a great cast great music great you know and uh, so memorable like very little of this movie uh is something you can ignore it's all gold all right, well, that's Devendra's number 10, pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping. I liked Jeff, that movie. I would No yeah. way it would ever approach my top 10. But, you know, <laughs> but, I, well, Jeff, I, I would say that about some things on your list, too. I really, I, Jeff, I'm like, sure. I really like that movie. I mean, I think your taste, Devendra, is questionable at best. But <laughs> Wait still. till we hear the rest of Jeff's list. No, I understand. <laughs> Jeff, your number 10 movie of the year. Uh, I mean, I like I, – I, in to completely just uh, refute what I just said and, and defend <laughs> Devendra, I like having the number 10 pick be a little um, – little interesting and, and outside the box. Right. Yeah, typically yeah. our top tens are very different from each other, yeah. 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 So my number ten pick uh, in, in that vein is Hardcore Henry. This movie just is so audacious and crazy and it should not have worked. You know, people keep asking – last episode we asked, you know, what is the best uh, video game movie? I think the best video game movie ever made is Hardcore Henry. It's not based on a video game but it feels like a video game. It's all from the first-person perspective <laughs> – and that shouldn't work. It shouldn't work. But it does. It's crazy. It's fun. You see things that you don't understand how they did it. But they actually did it. Um, just a wildly inventive, fun, ridiculous uh, experience that is unlike anything else I've ever seen on the big screen. Great choice for number 10, Jeff. Uh, my number 10 of the year is Christine. Christine. Uh- 
uh, can, you, can, you, can you get Gail? I thought she was meant to get some fresh flowers. Oh, yeah, I told her to. It must have slipped her mind. It slipped her mind? Well, I can't yeah. think about anything else. Sorry. So we, we're, you're going to have to... Uh, someone get some fresh flowers. <laughs> Allergies. Oh. But are you, you know, okay? The new film by director Antonio Campos starring Rebecca Hall. Uh, I think it's a movie that's largely about mental illness and about depression and about what happens to people uh, around people who who suffer from this and uh it has an amazing performance by rebecca hall that i think should be up for an oscar i don't know if it will be recognized but um yeah it it is a very moving and powerful film uh and it kind of just shows you how this one woman christine chubbuck uh is based off a real life character uh how her uh mental life kind of deteriorated over time and like all the things that led to that and all the results of that and how those results are often not something that we can predict. Uh, and so for that reason and for you know, great direction, great performance, it's my number 10 of the year. It's Christine. This is the first of several movies on both of your lists that I have not seen. So it uh, yeah. makes me sad that I haven't, I haven't had a chance to. I still need to. to see that too. And I actually say, on that note, we should just mention real quick. There, you know, We forgot to do this, Devendra, but you were saying we should probably just give a shout out to the movies we have not seen yet. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think the big one is Martin Scorsese's Silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a movie none of that none of us that. have seen yeah. uh, and that is on a lot of people's top ten lists. But there's a bunch of other movies too that I wish I had seen but that like just are very difficult to see right now. Uh, yeah. Tony Erdman I've heard is amazing. Uh, That's I want to see that so bad. It's on several people's like – it's like their number one on their list on several critics number one. You know, And it's like I, I haven't even had a chance – I could not even buy it right now. You right, know, I, right. like I would buy it if I could. Um, uh, camera person is a movie that I've yeah. heard is excellent. This uh, year it felt like a marathon, just because there's so much good stuff and not enough time to keep, catch up on. Yeah. Any other movies that you guys wish you'd seen before you picked uh, your top ten? Well, I haven't seen Jackie yet. I haven't seen Silence. Um, yeah, I've not Christine seen Jackie yet either. Um, there's have, several that are on your lists that I will get to them that I haven't seen yet. Um, yeah. I have not but, seen Krisha or Seventeen. Mm-hmm. As well, um, yeah. Or I'm sorry, yeah. Edge of Edge of Edge 17, of Seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I hear is very good. I have not seen that either. I've heard Krisha's good. I think it's on Amazon streaming right now. I'm not sure. It's anyway. Krisha is very easy to watch, but I just have not gotten around to that. Uh, been too busy watching Collateral Beauty. Good job. So dude. and uh, podcasting about Collateral and Beauty. podcasting. Your about time Beauty. has been well spent. Thanks, Devendra. Thanks, Devendra. <laughs> so just wanted to say, yeah, there's a bunch of movies that are on our each other's list and on, like on other critics' lists that we have not had a chance to see. So uh, full disclosure, um, we do not yet uh, do this for a living. You know, some people are film critics for a living. They see uh, a movie every day. Uh, yeah. We watch you know one to three movies a week, and that's uh, that's the total amount we can draw from. So. Uh, that's what you're getting on the Slash Filmcast. <laughs> that being said, let's continue. Number nine. Devinder Harder, what's your number nine movie of the year? My number nine is 13th. 
This is Ava DuVernay's new documentary, uh, just tracing uh, the legacy of slavery in America and the 13th Amendment and how it's kind of been uh, kind of how prison treats black men in particular as a new form of slavery. And this is a fascinating documentary. I think it's so essential and says a lot about, you know, how the world works today and why things are the way they are. And uh, this movie is great. I think it just presents a lot of things that people don't quite know and maybe people should be aware of. So highly recommended. That's 13th. It's available on Netflix right now. And a lot of uh, there's been some debates going on online about what should qualify as a movie. You know, Uh, I think 13th played, I want to say, at the New York Film Festival, but... Uh, I don't believe it ever got a conventional theatrical release. Right, but it's movie length, and like unlike I, some other documentary choices, sir. <laughs> oh, oh snap! Yeah, the Rangers just the Rangers just everyone's just calling everyone out today on the. I on mean, the if, if you're yeah. if you're going to bring that up, Dave. I can bring uh, up I was, the hey, seven and a half hour. <laughs> hey, Devinger, I was not attacking you. I was, I was saying I have been under attack because of yeah. uh, my top ten choice. Anyway, always under attack. Anyway, we'll get. To, oh, wow. Okay. Jeez, rawr. Okay. Anyway, he never stops. Never stopping. <laughs> Jeff Kanata, your number nine movie of the year. Kubo, look. The sword unbreakable. It could be a trap. Mm. Allow me. What? It's not a trap if you do it? Stealth is my middle name. You don't even have a first name. Don't worry, I got this. (laughs) The mighty beetle is victorious! I am shocked that this didn't make either of your lists, and it makes me sad because more people need to see Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, which is a delightful stop-motion animated film that uh, I I just adore and sadly did not make very much money at the box office, but is a uh, a wonderful adventure tale uh, that showcases just wizardry beyond belief, the quality of the stop-motion animation is is stunning and uh it has a wonderful message i think for kids it's it's a it's a true delight for all ages and i think a spectacular visual feast for the eyes as well kubo and the two strings is my number nine great choice jeff canada uh yeah i really liked kubo i I do not begrudge you choosing it for number uh nine at all i chose a uh, another film that takes asian mythology and repurposes it into a coming of age story (laughs) and that is moana is my number nine movie of the year. Uh, and this is a movie that reminds me of old school Disney movies that weren't ashamed to be musicals. Movies that uh, where like it would be an event when it came out that uh, it has characters in it that you can look up to. It has music that you can sing to yourself. It has a story that can inspire you. Uh, and it's just a, a really awesome uh, – like technically brilliant and uh, lovely movie with some great songs in it that uh, I think will uh, be remembered for a very long time to come. So I had some friends that, that saw this over the Christmas break and, and I was like, oh my God, wasn't it great? And they said, too much music. And I went, <laughs> what did you think you were going to see? <laughs> and I think maybe Pixar has, uh, 
has ruined a little bit of. of I, I just the, got kind of angry just now, and I threw up a little yeah. bit in the back of my mouth. Yeah, I know. Uh, you when, have like the Arthur clenched fist right now, Dave. Yeah, just, the Arthur uh, clenched fist right now. Anyone who says too much music, anyway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Uh, well, that's my number nine movie of the year. It's Moana, I believe. Devinger, it's also your number eight, right? It is my number eight, and yeah, for everything you've been saying, I think it's classic Disney, and. Uh, love it very much and i think it's like a great diverse story right now too and the music is great so like it's a movie i just can't help but love all right jeff canada your number eight movie of the year i this one's just from the heart right this is i i, <laughs> I love it so much and i i just can't believe how good it was and that's captain America's civil war uh yes it's popcorn entertainment but it is very high quality popcorn entertainment it's the best spider-man movie ever made and uh, it is one of my favorite movie experiences of the year. So it made my list at number eight, Captain America Civil War. Great choice, Jeff. I will say this was a movie that was on my list for uh, a very long time. It was actually on my list until late November when I saw you know 10 more movies and it kind of yeah, uh, yeah. pushed it off the list, unfortunately. But uh, great choice. My number eight movie of the year uh, is Green Room. Your set was pretty good. What was the name of your second to last song? Uh, uh, Toxic Evolution. It's fucking hard, man. That's the one I did her to. Green Room is the new film by uh, writer-director Jeremy Saulnier. This is a movie that deserved to make more than $3 million at the box office. I mean, it was so well done. And here's the thing. It was a great year for people trapped together in small space with terrifying person movies. Was it a great Uh, year? It was a great year. We had uh, (laughs) 10 Cloverfield Lane. You got Don't Breathe. And you got Green Room. And uh, I really liked all those movies. I thought those were all great films. Yeah, Don't Breathe is great. Really well directed. Uh, but out of all of them, Green Room is my favorite, I think, uh, for two primary reasons. Firstly, I really love the script, which is one of those scripts that uh, doesn't over-explain things. His way of screenwriting is really interesting. He, he doesn't want anyone to speak in a way that feels even the slightest bit unnatural, perhaps to a fault, in the sense that uh, people talk like they normally talk, and they refer to things that have happened, and you don't know what they are, and and the audience always has to work to keep up, and I like that. He has high expectations for the audience. Uh, And also Patrick Stewart in this movie, in an incredibly creepy Mm -hmm. role as a white supremacist. Uh, Love that he's kind of playing against type. Uh, And it is a movie that is incredibly thrilling. It has old-school-style gore effects uh, that feel a lot more realistic than a lot of the CG-based squibs that we see today. Uh, And so Jeremy Saulnier, old-school filmmaker, old-school screenwriter, uh, a lot of great performances in this great genre flick. That's Green Room. Uh, and you should check it out. I think it's available on a streaming service. I want to say Amazon, um, but uh, it is streaming right now, and you should buy it anyway because it's a movie that's worth supporting. That's my number eight, eight film of the year. And Jeff, I believe it's your number seven as well. It's right? my number seven. You know, there's a, a podcast that I listen to about board games that does a top ten list every week, and I should have mentioned this, but uh, they do a really smart thing. When, it, when, a mo- when a, uh, uh, an entry on the list is higher on someone else's list – they wait to talk about the movie then because it was that person rated it even higher. 
So we might want to think about doing that because you kind of stole my thunder, Dave, and I rated it higher than you, uh, which you did with Moana as well for Devendra. So let's just say uh, I liked Green Room uh, one notch more than you did. There's a lot of uh, tension on the uh, top ten of the year episode. I don't know if you guys can tell, but sorry sorry to steal your thunder, Jeff. Green Room is excellent. Uh, It is proof that you don't need outsized insanity, supernatural, whatever, to make a some, something truly terrifying. And, uh, you know, it's, it's as you said, it is one of my, my favorite kinds of movies is if you were in this situation, what would you do? Normal person in extraordinary circumstances, but the movie treats it with intelligence and at every step of the way, I can understand why these people did what they did and it, they never did stupid things. Uh, really, really tense and, and thrilling. Uh, Green Room is excellent. All right. So, Jeff, that was your number seven, seven. movie That's of correct. the year. Devendra, your number seven. My number seven was Hunt for the Wilder People. And this is Taika Waititi's film about a young boy and old man just you know on the run together from the law. I love this movie. It is so sweet. Uh, it's such a crowd pleaser. I've watched it with my family and a bunch of other people too. Everything about this movie. It's it's just like so – it's so focused on what it wants to do. It's hilarious. It's heartbreaking. And it's a lot of fun. All right. That's uh, Devengers number seven, Hunt for the Wilderness People. Great choice. Love that movie. My number seven is the movie Tower. This is a movie that was directed by Keith Maitland, which uh, chronicles the events of a uh, sniper attack at the University of Texas in August 1966. And uh, very few people have seen this movie. It made the festival circuit. Uh, The reason this movie is my number seven is because – well, two reasons. Firstly, the documentary tells the story of the people who you usually don't hear – uh, stories about, right? All the average everyday people who threw random acts of heroism were able to save lives and stop the carnage, right? And usually there's profiles of the killer and photos of the killer and the killer's manifesto. It's all over the TV. This movie says, forget about all that. They barely mention the killer's name in this movie. And it's all about the everyday people whose lives were impacted by this horrific crime. And we need more of that approach uh, in our media, and I like that it did that. So uh, very admirable. But number, beyond that, the storytelling in this movie is so unique. What he did was – Keith Maitland, he interviewed people who were actually there that day, and then he reenacted those interviews, like the words that people said in interviews with younger people, and then rotoscoped those interviews so you could see like a rotoscoped younger version of the person who was actually there that day. And it made it seem like the incident had just happened. Like it gave it the sense of immediacy Mm -hmm. that I had never experienced before in a documentary. And it's such a unique, innovative style and a way of telling the story that I just thought was so creative uh, that even though it's about this like very horrifying and sobering crime – it's a movie that I was just like uh, so impressed by, uh, and would recommend to anyone. I don't. It's not easily available right now, but I, I gotta imagine this movie is gonna get distribution soon. I'd recommend mm. you check it out uh, when you have a chance. It's called Tower. It's my number seven movie of the year. Let's move on to number six. Devinder Hardwar, your number six. My number six is Arrival, and this is Denis Villeneuve's, uh, you know, Alien 
film, I guess, or like his his interpretation of us doing that. And I, I love everything about this movie. It is not just a great science fiction story. It's heartbreaking. And I think it sort of prepares us or gets us ready to deal with, you know, the problems we're going to have to face in the next couple of years. Great choice uh, for your number six. That's a rival. Jeff Kanata. Uh, I, I don't even know if it's worth talking about your number six since your thunder has already been stolen. But yeah, what is your twice. number six? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is where I put Moana. Um, I think it is darn near a perfect film for what it wants to do. Uh, I, I don't know any any criticisms I would have. It, it is delightful on every level. It has wonderful action sequences, great comedy, lovely music, a great setting, a really inspiring main character it is just great and and in proof that disney animation studios is on par with pixar at every level uh all right well that's a great choice for number six jeff uh my number six is swiss army man back in civilization there's seven billion other living people on the planet just running around and blinking and breathing and eating and you used to be one of them we're probably just looking for happiness. That's what everyone does. This is what you look like when you're happy. You look for someone who will make you happy. A friend, a girlfriend, or a dog. Good boy. Good boy. Sometimes you might be lucky enough to bump into the one person you want to spend the rest of your life with, and that is love. Uh, the first film by The Daniels. This is a movie that starred Paul Dano uh, as a suicidal human being and uh, Daniel Radcliffe as a, a corpse and together they find each other on a deserted island uh, having given up on all hope and uh, they ha- forge a friendship and uh, unpredictable things happen in terms of uh, where that friendship goes. This is a movie that I felt was very moving. There's lines and moments and scenes from this movie that I'm going to remember for a really long time to come. It's a movie that can be about whatever you want it to be. You know, it can be about this crazy person finding this uh, farting corpse. It can be about uh, this friendship, like buddy road movie. Uh, it can it can be about finding uh, a companion for for your life. You know, and like what that process is like. And it, it's just about so many things. So many things can be read into it. It's boldly original. It's not afraid to be grossly offensive. It's not afraid to be gross. Um, and yeah, it's just one of the coolest, best, most original creations I can think of from 2016. That's my number six movie of the year. That's the movie that won my, uh, my special award for fartiest movie of the year. It does have the most farts in any movie in our top tens. So, uh, for that reason alone, it should be, (laughs) it should be recognized. (laughs) Speaking of farts, guys, you know what creates farts? What? I'll bite, Dave. What creates farts? <laughs> uh, bad food. Bad food. Oh, uh, yeah. Upset tummies. Upset we don't stomach. Like that. Upset stomach, bad food. Uh, and you don't fast want – Fast food. So fast food is the worst. You know what? It, it's, not even a, it's not even a cliche at this point. It's, it's just the truth that, that you go to eat the fast food and you're, you're feeling bad for a week afterward. It's not used – it's not what's, worth it What's the, the last food? worst ba- uh, bad fast food that you ate, Jeff? You you need uh, fast food down in LA. I'm guessing you stay f- fairly healthy, but I I try to avoid fast food. But I recently flew up uh, to my parents' house, and at the airport, I uh, I have to admit I, I I had a Burger King sandwich. And, and how was a it? Chicken sandwich. Uh, I'll just it's farts. 
There was, <laughs> it was like a Swiss Army man over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, Jeff, if you don't want to eat fast food, but you still want, you want good food, but you don't have any time. You want the speed of fast food, uh, but with quality, right? You want the speed of fast food, the convenience of fast food, but you want to be able to cook a meal. You want to be able to know everything that's going into the food. Fortunately, our sponsor this week can help with that. HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a company that wants to change the way people eat forever. They believe everyone deserves honest, natural, delicious, healthy food. And they uh, celebrate fresh ingredients and making magic in the kitchen. What they do is they ship you a box uh, full of ingredients and recipes, everything you need to make uh, your meals for that week. Uh, depending on you know how much you order, uh, and yeah, they uh, have new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around thirty minutes. Uh, and even if you've never cooked before, uh, the instructions are easy enough for anyone to follow. It's and great. It takes out, it takes out of the equation the most annoying parts of cooking for yourself, which is deciding what to cook, which is always a, a headache, and going to the grocery store, which takes up time. Is frustrating you're standing in lines you're looking on these endless aisles trying to pick out the right how do you know which which vegetable and fruit to pick what's ripe and what's not HelloFresh takes care of all of that annoying stuff and just gets to the cool fun stuff which is concocting your own freshly made meals it's yeah it's, so it's a really fun great. activity to do with uh, a, a loved one or someone you care about it's just like a fun activity uh to cook with them using these uh meal kits not only that, they source fresh ingredients measured into exact quantities so there's no food waste. And there is a full-time registered dietitian on staff who reviews each recipe to ensure it's nutritionally balanced. All this is delivered to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free. Uh, we've all used HelloFresh. We've all enjoyed it. Uh, it's just – it's fun. You learn new recipes that you yeah. can use even past the time that you're using you know, HelloFresh that week. So a lot of fun. Right now, we have a special offer for people who listen to the Slash Filmcast. Go to HelloFresh.com and use the promo code FILMCAST35 to save $35 off your first week of deliveries. That's HelloFresh.com. Use promo code FILMCAST35. That's just the word FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, and then 35, FILMCAST35, to save $35 off your first week of deliveries. Really appreciate HelloFresh sponsoring us. And yeah, if you want to avoid an upset stomach, if you want to avoid unfresh ingredients, HelloFresh.com, promo code FILMCAST35. There you go. Thanks to Jeff Kanata for uh, help with that transition into the ad. <laughs> and thanks to HelloFresh.com for sponsoring us this week. They're awesome. Uh, and let's move on with our top 10 movies of the year, gentlemen. We had just finished talking about my number six, Swiss Army Man. Devendra, your number five. My number five is Manchester by the Sea. I think this is uh, probably uh, the most humane or human film I've seen this year. It's it's a simple drama about dealing with grief and about characters trying to you know live up to the responsibilities of their families. But there's just so much going on here. This movie broke my heart, and I I want to rewatch it, but I'm also kind of terrified of rewatching it. That's Manchester by the Sea. That's Devendra's number five. Uh, I am actually surprised I don't see it on your list, Jeff Carrara. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful film, and um, I guess it's because it <laughs> it isn't something I never want to see again. <laughs> that, that it didn't make my list, but yeah, yeah, it is undoubtedly a beautiful piece of art that I am 
I would recommend to anyone, uh, you know, with the caveat of, you know, clear out the rest of your day because you're not going to want to do anything after seeing it. All right. Well, that was Davindra's number five, Manchester by the Sea. Jeff Kanata, what's your number five? I will not claim to be objective about this one um, because uh, my friend directed it. But I do think that had I not seen 10 Cloverfield Lane with that knowledge uh, or with that, if that, with that being the case, I still would have loved it. It is a wonderful movie. Uh, it is uh, tense and exciting and a marriage of different genres. It has some great performances, beautifully directed. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching it. I thought I thought it's a I think it's a great movie and an amazing debut. Uh, and of course, if you're listening to the show, you should know that I'm not entirely objective about it. But it it, it really I do really think it would make my list, even if it hadn't been directed uh, by Dan Trachtenberg. Ten Cloverfield Lane. It's a great choice, Chef. Uh, I was tempted to also put it on my top ten. I, I guess like for my top ten, I only wanted to put on one of those. Uh, people trapped in a small space, you know, with one with like a frightening person movies, and yeah. so the, uh, for me that just green room barely edged out. Don't breathe in Ten Cloverfield Lane, but I almost uh, put Don't Breathe on the list too. I mean, all three of them were great. Yeah, all great movies. Uh, but yeah, that's Ten Cloverfield Lane. That's Jeff's number five. My number five movie of the year is Wiener. This is a documentary about uh, Anthony Wiener. And uh, is directed by Josh Kriegman and Elise Steinberg. It was originally supposed to be about Anthony Weiner's comeback story. He had been disgraced publicly because of a sexting scandal and uh, was running for mayor of New York and was actually leading in the polls until news of another sexter or sexty, I guess, broke uh, and then completely tanked his entire campaign. Wiener has a lot of access uh, you know, to everything that goes on in the behind the scenes of the Wiener campaign. But I, I chose it for the list uh, for a few reasons. Number one, it feels uniquely relevant to our times. Uh, it certainly had implications in the election this year. We, you know, Anthony Wiener's name came up in the final weeks. Uh, Hillary Clinton's Tracy campaign would works. argue decisively came up in the final weeks of the campaign. Uh, and it has the most tragic figure of any film I've seen in 2016, and that is Huma Abedin, who yep. endures so much in this movie, endures so much in real life, and uh, is forced to see her candidate, you know, for whom she's, I'm sure, sacrificed a great deal for, lose the election of 2016. I'm, I would love to see a follow-up movie about Huma and about also leading from this into the election. Well, since the movie, I'm sure, didn't take a lot out of them, I'm sure you'll see that movie, Devendra. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, the, uh, it seems like the movie is very... Their feelings about the movie seem very mixed. You know, the Huma and Anthony Weiner's feelings about the movie um, seem ambivalent at best based on statements they've made about the film after it came out. So I, I doubt we'll see a follow-up. But yeah, I, I would also love to know what happens to that story. I will say one thing Wiener does is it humanizes these people. It makes it seem like it, there is a temptation to caricature people when they're in the news for silly reasons like Anthony Wiener was in the news for. And Wiener, the film, reminds you that there are humans behind these memes. There are humans behind these scandals. And uh, for that reason, it's my number five movie of the year. Uh, that said, I think if you if you created 2016 as a human being, 
if you anthropomorphize 2016, it would be Anthony Weiner. I, I, I think. think that's not too far from the truth. Uh, so we're past our number fives. Let's get to our number fours. Devinder Hardware, your number four movie of the year. My number four is American Honey. So tell me, what was it that you don't agree with that Jake does? The lying. He ain't lying. He's selling. That's his job. I don't get what you want. You want to make money or you don't? I want to make money. What? I want to make money. She just needs more time. Go with the wild ones, you know? I'm not a fucking cow. It costs me when you don't earn. Do you get that? This shit, the motel, the gas, everything, that costs me. And I can't run my business like that. So you show me you can do it or I'll leave you on the side of the road. Clear? Crystal. And this is Andrea Arnold's film, uh, basically cataloging the lives of young people uh, traveling, poor young people traveling across the South and the Midwest and trying to get by selling magazines. And quote unquote, this movie, quote unquote selling magazines. Selling magazines. Come on. <laughs> that, that's what they're selling. But yeah, this movie is sprawling and long and just kind of meanders all over the place. And I love it because of that i think it's just one of the most fascinating portrayals of america this year um the lead sasha lane who's never acted before is just fascinating and tremendous to watch shia labeouf is in this and he is great as the romantic lead uh, for her and there's just so much going on in this movie and it shows us a side of america that we don't normally get to see kind of weird how it took us uh, it took a british director to kind of shine a lens on this other side of America. Well, that's American Honey. It is uh, a movie that I was not quite as taken with, but it's a movie that a lot of critics have put on their top ten uh, of the year. It's, I, I will say this, having seen the movie, uh, it is unlike anything else that has been released yeah. in theaters this year. You yeah, know, I think that's pretty much it. It Love is it or hate a, a two-hour, 45-minute, like, meandering travel log. And, uh, and as performance that central performance that is uh, unique you know it's mm-hmm. it's uh, unlike anything else so i just um I, it's not a movie i can recommend but it's a movie that is uh andrea arnold's work is always compelling and interesting right and yeah. uh and for that reason alone i think it's it's worth checking out what, if, what if kills me is that people will most likely end up seeing this at home and they're going to get distracted. You're, you're going to pull out your phone. You're going to pull out your tablet or whatever. And it's this is a movie I really enjoyed seeing in the theater and just being focused on this story. So, yeah, I don't. I, I wish it would have the same effect at home. How about you, uh, Jeff Kanata? What is your number four movie of the year? My number four is The Founder, which is the story of the beginning of the McDonald's Corporation. And I found this to be a really insightful indictment of capitalism and the idea of the strong taking and uh and money being the ultimate uh the ultimate reason for anything uh it is a a a movie that i've i've thought about over and over since i've since i saw it it will stay has stayed with me uh it's got a great performance by michael keaton and it revealed something about the beginning of the, of McDonald's that I, I just didn't know beforehand. Uh, and I think it's a, you know, I described it as a more palatable version of 
um, the Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, it, it accomplishes the same kind of introspection about the things that we value in American society, but without having to resort to snorting coke out of an asshole. You know, so I find it a little uh, more palatable than than that film, just on a like, hey, rec- easily recommendable way. Yeah, you know, a you plus recommend for Wolf- you, Jeff, is a minus for me, <laughs> perhaps. But it's hard to recommend Wolf of Wall Street to anybody. It's like, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some stuff you don't, don't know. If, I don't know if I can recommend you see. But uh, Founder is is really excellent. All right, well, that's the Founder. That's Jeff's number four movie of the year. My number four movie of the year is Tickled. Uh, this is the documentary about competitive endurance tickling. Devinger, have you had a chance to check this out yet? Or I did. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it just yeah, kind of yeah. it didn't quite make it to my top ten, but I, it's a great film. I have I have I seen some movie. backlash to this movie in the form of <laughs> Jeff Kanata, uh, and also like a bunch of people commenting on Slash Film and tweeting saying, "Yeah, I don't know what the big deal is." Uh, someone even commented on my top – like on Facebook, someone commented on my top ten. So you're really sticking with Tickled, huh? Uh, this is a movie that I think uh, still was one of my most mind-boggling theatrical experiences of the year. Going in, seeing this guy peel back all these layers of the – these guys, uh, I should say Dylan Reeve and David Ferrier, peeling back these layers of the onion and getting to the bottom of what essentially amounts to a really egregious case of online bullying. The way that these directors methodically reveal the mystery to you, I just think is so well done. And, uh, and they put their, their professional and financial livelihood at stake to bring the story to you. And uh, we should encourage such acts of journalistic bravery uh, and of exposing people who would seek to take advantage of others. And Tickled is, an ex- is a film that does exactly that. So uh, I've tried to be vague, uh, but if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, check it out. It's available for purchase right now on Video On Demand, or I think it'll be on HBO uh, within the next year or two. So that's Tickled. It's my number four movie of the year. Devinder Hardwar, your number three movie of the year. My number three is The Handmaid. And this is Park Chan-wook's uh, film about what, – what is it even really about that I can say without spoiling it? But yeah, this – I thought this movie is a great thriller, a great love story uh, with some wonderful twists and turns. And it's just so freaking beautiful. Uh, it really shows the full powers of his directorial capabilities. And yeah, I, I cannot wait to rewatch this again. All right. That's The Handmaid and it's Devendra's number three. Uh, Jeff Kanata, your number three movie of the year. I think it's interesting how many movies on our lists uh, can really really speak to our times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you talked about Wiener. We talked about The Founder. Um, I think this movie at number three, Hell or High Water, is another example of speaking to the times in which we live in in a really – uh, lateral way. It's not. It's not on the nose, but it, it is definitely speaking to, you know, the the Trump phenomenon in a lot of ways. In a in the context of a really entertaining heist movie. Put the gun on the counter. You trying to get us killed? I steal from some old man. We steal from one place. That's it. You're turning out to be a poor ass criminal. See what the early bird gets? <laughs> Maybe we should hit that ranch and Jane. No, we ain't. We hit those banks first thing in the morning. When they're empty, when they're empty. It's the last time I can't get shot at. 
You gotta be smart. We're ways from being finished. I can do this all week. We're gonna. <laughs> we're like the Comanches, little brother. Raiding where we please with the whole of Texas hunting our shadow. You know, a, a, a movie about mm-hmm. outlaws, a western. And the performances are great. I completely buy the fact that uh, Ben Foster and Chris Pine are brothers. Their their relationship is just so well established. Uh, and it's got these uh, amazing, amazing lines. You know, there's a, a, a guy who says, uh, they talk about knocking over a bank and this side character go, says, uh, yeah, they, they, they robbed a bank that's been robbing me for 30 years. <laughs> you know, I think, and I think that speaks to America, that, that place we're in right now where these mm-hmm. establishments are not trusted. And it's also a really just fun yarn full of really cool characters and, and, uh, a, uh, you know that that cat and mouse thing of the guys trying to get away with it, and the and the dude who's trying to catch them. Great, great film that I almost never watched because Dave Chen <laughs> tried to stop me. Okay. Hell or high water. I Man. think you're really <laughs> overselling how much I quote unquote tried to stop you, but. <laughs> Oh, man. Jeff, I also actually just re- saw this movie recently. And what's striking to me is that it, in a weird way, it's sort of like a pseudo sequel to American Honey as well, because that's a film that also talks about uh, the issues in America and uh, the the idea that capitalism hasn't really trickled down to everybody. So, yeah, very thematically appropriate films for this year. All right. My number three movie of the year is Moonlight. Uh, this is the new Barry Jenkins movie. Uh, and it is about a young black man growing up in Miami, and it's powerfully shot. I should say, <clears throat> it's about a young black man growing, growing up in Miami. It's gorgeously shot, powerfully acted, and movingly observed. Uh, and in my top ten of the year at uh, SlashFilm.com, I wrote that more than any other film on this list, it managed to immerse me into the life of another human being and invited me to contend with his struggles, his triumphs, his moments of discovery, his tragedies, and his pain. It also elicits a reaction that I think we all need more of in the coming days, and that is empathy. Uh, And for those reasons, Moonlight is my number three movie of the year. I think it certainly made my my top 15. Gotcha. Divinder Hardware, your number two movie of the year. We're getting up there now, guys. Getting up there. We're there. All right, my number two is La La Land because fucking Damien Chazelle, guys. Just, <laughs> just this guy. It's, it's too talented. That's that's all I can say. Uh, this film is moving. It's uplifting. I, I think it's a great story about creativity and trying to strive for your dreams. It may be a little too dreamy in how it does it, but it's still wonderfully moving. And I love just the verve and the energy Chazelle brings to this film, all of his films, really. And the way he uses the camera, the way he puts things together, uh, it's all tremendous. That's Law And Divinjura, this was a movie that was also my number two movie of the year mm-hmm. when I saw it. And then in the weeks afterwards, I've been thinking about it and reading more <laughs> about it and considering it more. It has tumbled and tumbled until it eventually fell off the list completely. It's very um, sad. It I, is, I think you learned the wrong lesson from La La Land, Dave. Indeed, yes. indeed. Uh, but it's a movie that I still have a lot of affection for and plan to rewatch many times. It's just, uh, I don't know, a lot of things didn't sit right with me about it. And I think our review captured a lot of those. Uh, Jeff Kanata, your number two movie of the year? My number two movie is Sing Street. And Devendra, how is this not on your list? You're killing me. That's a good me. question. It's, uh, I mean, it, it was tough. It's definitely in my top 15, I'd say. It's in my honorable mentions for sure. This uh, has been a tough year, guys. 
so sad that this isn't on your list. Um, you know, Jeff, you're, just, you're not sad that it's not on my list? What's going on there? <laughs> we know what to a, expect from you, Dave. You have a cold, dead heart, David. I don't expect yeah. that. Uh, we, you know, there are so many movies, especially here at the end of the year, and so many great movies, so many movies on, on my list and others that are uh, depressing, to be quite honest, that are, that are talking about the – the dark places of the American or not American of the human condition um, that, you know, and, th- and those things are, are interesting to explore. And I'm certainly into that, but sing street is just a joyous experience. And the music, as much as I love the music for Moana, the music for sing street is the, is the soundtrack of, of, of the film soundtrack of the year for me. It, the music is wonderful and joyous. it, captures that that magic of creativity when you're young and uh dreaming and and all it's just it's a beautiful love letter to the 80s it is really one of the best movies i've seen in a long long time and it's my number two sing street all right that's jeff's number two my number two is oj made in america now, as Devinder Hardwar alluded to earlier, there's actually been a lot of debate about whether or not this actually is a film. You know, it has played in theaters, it's played in film festivals, uh, but it was it was primarily made for ESPN and uh, has aired on TV. I think you can actually watch it for free right now, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, on ESPN. Uh, on ESPN, site. I actually it's recently bought the Blu-ray. I got the Blu-ray is like ten dollars or twelve dollars. Oh man, nice. um, which seemed like a good buy to me, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, O.J. Made in America is the Mad Max Fury Road of documentaries in the sense that every 10 minutes, I was my jaw was on the floor and I was saying to myself, how did they get this footage? Which is exactly the same thing that I did during Mad Max Fury Road. Um, this is a movie that unearths what appears to be every single possible piece of archival footage about O.J. Simpson. Uh, conducts interviews with virtually everyone involved in the O.J. Simpson trial, including Mark Furman. It makes each one of its five, uh, let's say, 80 to 90-minute episodes into something that has its own arc that is interesting, fascinating, and provides insight about American history and American life in a way that, that leads to something that ends up being more than the sum of its parts. It is a remarkable creation uh, that is, you know, un- unlike anything else I've seen, uh, certainly this year and-, and probably in many years in terms of documentaries. And uh, it should be watched by everyone. Like, even yes. if you are overloaded on O.J. Simpson stuff, even if you watch the entire FX series, this... Watch the seven-and-a-half-hour documentary. Watch the seven-and-a-half-hour doc- <laughs> documentary. It-, it makes different points. It says different things. It's just so well-made. Ezra Edelman... Mm-hmm. In my opinion, after watching this, like is is a genius. Like I can't imagine what it would take to keep all this in someone's head, you know, and like how yeah. long it must have taken and to just put it all out in one year. Uh, it's it's just an amazing accomplishment. So if I if I were making a top ten list of TV shows I watched this year, this would be on it. It just didn't just the way I saw it and the way it was presented to me. It wasn't. It didn't feel like a movie. Um, also because every those episodes feel very distinct and encapsulated you know it doesn't feel like a a continuous narrative so i definitely thought a lot about putting it here too uh but yeah between this and american crime story right like this has been the year for looking at the oj story and seeing how that reflects on america yeah it's it's whatever at least take up like three spots on your list if it's (laughs) (laughs) that's true it's a little cheating all right uh well that's my number two movie of the year 
And that brings us to our number ones. Last year, we all had the same number one movie of the year. This year, our number ones are all different. That's yeah. So cool. Devinder Hardware, your number one movie of the year. My number one movie is Moonlight. Huh? What happened, Chiron? Why you didn't come home like you're supposed to? Huh? And who is you? Nobody. I found him yesterday. Found him in a hole on 15. Yeah, that one. Some boys chased him in the cut. He scared more than anything. He wouldn't tell me where he lived till this morning. Well, thanks for seeing to him. He usually can take care of himself. He good that way, but... Little man. I think Barry Jenkins' movie is just phenomenal. As perfect as a drama can be, uh, it's poetic, uh, while also giving us a very realistic look at how you know life is for somebody growing up in the projects in Miami. Like it's it's a very wonderfully told perspective uh, of a not so great you know life that this kid has to go through. Uh, check out my longer interview with Angie Han. We spent a lot of time gushing over this film, but it's beautiful. It, it evokes Wong Kar Wai in a way I, I honestly haven't really seen in American cinema in a very long time. It's a beautiful film, amazingly made. Uh, Moonlight, that's Devendra's number one. Great choice, Devendra. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Yeah, I, I agree that that is a, uh, a gorgeous film. I, I wish that the first third of the movie was was stretched out to be the entire movie. I, I would love to have just stayed in that uh, age uh, of his, his development and seen more of it. Um, but my goodness, is it exquisite. And certainly I can understand how it would make anybody's list and certainly could see it being number one, uh, a beautiful movie, Moonlight. Uh, my number one is Arrival. Everything into an end. I have to explain to a room full of men whose first and last question is how can this be used against us? Kangaroo. What is that? In 1770, Captain James Cook's ship ran aground off the coast of Australia and he led a party into the country and they met the Aboriginal people. One of the sailors pointed at the animals that hop around and put their babies in their pouch and he asked what they were and the Aborigines said kangaroo. It wasn't until later that they learned that kangaroo means I don't understand. I can show that for now. And remember what happened to the Aborigines. A more advanced race nearly wiped them out. It's a good story. Thanks. It's not true. But it proves my point. I, I, can't, I just can't even express how exquisite I think it is. Uh, it, it works on so many levels. I am such a fan of science fiction and I think the best science fiction is, you know, reflects on, on our own lives and, and makes us think. And this movie certainly did that. It made, it moved me, uh, in a very profound way. Uh, I thought it was just gorgeously realized and presented and, the 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 ideas that it expresses are fresh and interesting and really haven't been put on screen before uh, it just it was a home run on every level and i love that it exists um arrival all right my number one movie of the year is ha- the handmaiden the new film by uh director park tan wook 
in my opinion, this movie shows him at the height of his powers. There's an extremely complex narrative that like kind of collapses in on itself, mm-hmm. refers to itself, right? And he's got to figure out how to do that while also crafting something that's visually sumptuous, uh, that has like great production design, great performances, uh, solid editing. And also some good old ultraviolence, which Park Chan-wook is really well known for in general. Uh, throw all that into the mix. You have a bunch of elements that uh, create an unforgettable movie-going experience for me. Like I said, I sat there for two and a half hours, and I could have sat there for another two and a half hours because of how engrossed I was with this film. Uh, it's a movie that I think anyone should check out, but not with your parents or anyone else who <laughs> uh, might have an awkward viewing experience with you. Yeah. That's the not handmaiden. with a casual friend who's not into gratuitous sex scenes. Yeah. That's the handmaiden. It is uh, my number one movie of the year. And that's the top 10 films of 2016, according how to interesting, the interesting How interesting that neither of your number one movies is on my list. My number one movie isn't on Dave's list at all. Uh, I, it's such an interesting, diverse year full, yeah, of, full of such a breadth of quality. I mean, and I don't think that either of your number one picks are are objectionable. I, I thoroughly enjoyed both of those movies. So, you know, it, it is uh, – there's just so much good stuff and such an eclectic year for quality. I think that, that speaks highly of 2016 as a cinematic year. Agreed completely. Let's talk about our honorable mentions. Uh, you were just saying how like some of your movies weren't on my list, Jeff. Uh, but yeah, Captain America Civil War, Arrival, La La Land, Hunt for the Wilder People, and Life Animated, a documentary about uh, how an autistic child uses Disney films to uh, communicate with the world. Those were my honorable mentions of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Jeff Kanata? What was on? What barely missed your top ten? Uh, Moonlight, uh, Anomalisa, uh, Light Between Oceans, which I think I liked more than either of you guys, but it really very nearly made my list. Um, oh, no, I really liked it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah we all liked that movie. Yeah. And and uh, one that will probably be my um, my what's the what's our other category uh, underrated movie of the year. I like Between Oceans might be my underrated movie, yeah, but this yeah. one also, Deepwater Horizon. Mm. That movie was really good, and no one talked about it. It, it, it is really good, Deepwater Horizon. I, I was shocked that it was as good as it as it is. Well, you know, a conversation about this will need to come on another day, I think. But I think the idea of Mark Wahlberg inserting himself into real-life tragedies <laughs> and he is always the hero in them and yeah. saves Especially a lot of people. Especially given his own past, like it's it's not great. Yeah, yeah it just it, – it has like troubling implications and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'd love to talk with you more maybe when we – if we ever review Patriot's Day, it's something we can talk about. But uh, you know, the, the whole real life Mark Wahlbergy stuff is kind of mm-hmm. what has put a sour taste in my mouth when it comes to a movie like Deepwater Horizon. Um, but that's me Fair personally. Enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I think that's yeah. I don't think that's the movie's fault per se, but I, I think it it was a very compelling film that is expertly made. It is it it shows that tragedy in a way that I just I couldn't I can't imagine how they even did it. It's so it puts you inside that and it really showcases the heroism of of everyday working class guys. It's yeah, I think it's a really underrated movie. 
All right. Um, well, honorable mentions for you, Jeff. Uh, how about you, Devendra? What's in your honorable mentions? Oh, I got a whole bunch. Like it, This was a really tough year to narrow down my top ten. So I've got Sink Street, Zootopia, which was really good and much oh, smarter yeah. than Zootopia. anybody expected. Good one. The and had Witch. one of the best theme songs of the year. It did. Um, <laughs> which, honestly, I mean, Dave, I know you made a big deal about that, but you look at any... Any like animated movie that has like an identifying theme song, like they're they're all like that. It's it's not any worse than that. Well, I would There's... argue that Moana's music was actually good, but yes, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, okay, sure, sure. They're all about striving for your dreams and yada yada yada. Be a kid. Uh, there's the witch. <laughs> Which yeah. is, was yeah. very good. Don't think twice. Which I don't think you like much, Dave. But I quite no. Enjoyed. I really, I really love that movie. I said it was a, a huge evolution for Mike Birbiglia. Okay. Uh, I really liked Don't Think Twice. Yeah, that was great. That was a great movie. Captain America: Civil War. Which, yeah, it is definitely one of the best superhero movies we've gotten in recent years. It was just edged out by so many other good movies. Ten Cloverfield Lane, The Lobster, which I can't wait to revisit, and Rogue One. Uh, I, yeah, I think Rogue that is one. a genuinely great movie. Honestly. I agree. Yeah, I think Rogue One is definitely a a, a a worthy worthy film to talk about at the end of the year. It is not not just a good Star Wars movie. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, those are our honorable mentions. Now, we have a few special categories uh, that we usually go into every year. Most disappointing movie of the year. Why don't we start oh, with yes. that? So, uh, oh, so there's, it's so hard to narrow it down, Dave. <laughs> So, I, I, I go for personal disappointments, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff Kanata, let's start with you. Jason Bourne is yeah. mine uh, yeah. because I thought for certain that, <laughs> that you could put money on it being yeah. amazing. Greengrass is back. Uh, 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 what's Matt his Damon. Name? Matt Damon is back. <laughs> They're back. They're team reteaming. It's, there's, the only reason they would do that is if it was going to be amazing. Right. As if the script was super solid. <laughs> There's no reason why they would come back just for money. Uh, it was god-awful and <laughs> so disappointing to me because that is a – like Devendra, that is a uh, that is a franchise that I really like a lot. And uh, it, it, well, it yeah. should never have been made. It, it is also un- – I have two for most disappointing, but it's also up there for me. And uh, yeah, nothing about this movie works. The action, which you don't, you don't even need a script to really like get some good action beats down. And uh, other than like there's a chase scene in Las Vegas and that's about it. This movie doesn't connect. Uh, it is one of the dumbest movies about technology ever. I wrote about that uh, because it sounds like nobody actually knew anything. Like there was no <laughs> yeah. technical advisor when it came when it came to writing this. Just script. pay nobody someone had, like five thousand yeah. dollars to tell you how to like. No one ever used email that worked. How does on hacking that? work, guys? Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure the CIA actually stores uh, their their most top secret files in a folder called black operations yes yes <laughs> which you can spoof easily with a with a device it's uh yeah what a what a miss there uh well Devendra, what else what was your other most disappointing film of the year uh i mean i feel like listeners of the show should know but i am still reeling from the disappointment of x-men apocalypse yet another return to form like we brian singer coming back and telling the apocalypse story and uh you know do, doing more with these characters it what could go wrong here except everything <laughs> except everything. except everything like this this movie feels it's a it's a freaking mess. The script from people I enjoy, like Simon Kimberg, the script is all over the place. There's no great character motivations. They pretty much ruin Magneto by replaying a lot of the character beats we expect from him. 
it's a huge disappointment and it's a shame because I've loved every single one of Brian Singer's X-Men movies. I thought he was the guy who would know how to make good X-Men movies. And after Days of Future Past, which honestly seems like a much more complicated narrative, like if they can pull that off and can't pull off a straightforward, you know, guy trying to destroy the world story, I, I don't know what to say. I almost think like they needed more time to work on this movie because it I just feels about, lazy. You know, I, I did not think X-Men Apocalypse was that good, but I do think the one interesting thing they added to the Magneto storyline is uh, the idea is, hey, what if we had a Magneto story where at the beginning of the movie – everything about his life is like totally normal like he's like a he has a wife and a kid and everyone's like uh-huh, happy uh-huh. you know that is an interesting you know take. that's gonna last for a while yeah. right we've never seen magneto do that before of course the thing that sucks about it is that he then has it all taken away from him in the same way that uh they only yeah. exist to be to be fridged to be plot <laughs> devices for his the same self-actualization we've been seeing from Magneto since, like, what, the first or second movie? Literally, so the, first, literally the first moment yeah. of the first movie of X-Men. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so kind of a bummer. So, so damn disappointing. I'm going to choose an unconventional one that I bet you guys <laughs> did not expect, oh which is Suicide Squad. It's my most disappointing <laughs> movie of the year. Here's the thing, guys. The trailers for that movie were so good. They got me so amped up for that film. And I, I just kept wanting that movie to be good, yeah. Uh, but you could not get away from the fact that they, like they had made multiple cuts of the movie, multiple edits of the movie, and what ends up being in the final film is like this Frankenstein monster of a movie that doesn't really do anything well. Joker's in the movie for fifteen minutes for no reason whatsoever, and it's like a fairly abrasive version of the Joker that I did not find very interesting. Uh, so Suicide Squad, a movie that could have been good, but, uh, you know, I did not think ended up being very good. I mean, every movie could be good, Dave. You know? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Every movie in a, could in be a, good. There's a parallel dimension yeah. where every movie is good. Um, in the multiverse theory, every movie do, is good. What do you guys think? I mean, I know we didn't prepare this in advance, but what do you think is, is the worst movie you saw? Not disappointing, mm. but just the worst. I mean, I think Dave... Collateral Beauty probably is yours, but oh yeah, Collateral Beauty definitely is up there because there's so many vying for for mine. Okay, Jeff, go lay it on us. Lay it on us. Okay, Suicide Squad is in that yeah, list. I would say ba- so. Batman versus Superman is in that list. Uh, Independence Day, Resurgence, yep, very <laughs> Resurgence bad. was garbage, very awful film. Yep, uh, The Accountant for me is is uh, one of the worst movies oh, I've seen. Jeff, oh. is that your underrated Dave? <laughs> <laughs> But Probably. I think I think the worst movie that I saw in in reviewing movies this year is High Rise. Oh Ooh. yeah, Ooh. I remember we that were was so excruciating <laughs> to watch. <laughs> there was not even anything fun about how bad it was. Yeah. It was just awful. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. Like, yeah, I, I would say... I, I, good score, though. Good score yeah. by Clint Mansell, but yeah. Great score. I would say that is probably the most overrated movie of the year for me because I wanted everything to work about that. Love the director, love the actors, and yeah, like half of that movie just doesn't make any sense at all. All right. Well, <laughs> those are your guys' opinions for worst movie of the year. Uh, but yeah, Collateral Beauty was pretty, pretty rough. Uh, and not because it was a poorly made... Collateral Beauty is like this year's Crash, you know? Yeah, it, that's it's, what it sounds like. It, there's great performances, like good actors involved. It's a talented director. Uh, they have good intentions. 
mm-hmm. but because of you know what ends up happening on the events of the screen, you know, like not not good. It it feels like a template for how to win an Oscar too, right? So let's get a an actor everybody likes who has proven to be Oscar worthy in the past. Let's give him either a dead wife or a dead daughter. Check. Uh, let's give roles to more potential Oscar nominees, too. You know, like a lot of great supporting roles. It yeah. seems like they put all that there. Let's really cast, amp up yeah. the drama. You know. Let me throw a couple of movies out there also that were pretty disappointing to me. Uh, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, which oh, was yeah. at, at best mediocre. But Jack yeah. Reacher 1 was... Uh, so good. Yeah, pretty good. It was a solid genre entry uh, and... Uh, Christopher McQuarrie added enough new things there that it's like, hey, this is better than just a, you know, uh, a book, a movie version of a book you buy in an airport. You know, like right, it's, right. there's enough there to enough stylistic flourishes that you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, awful. Just is the nothing, airport book. Nothing. That's yeah, it, that is the airport book. That's right. Yeah. Nothing redeemable about that, in my opinion. Uh, what else? There was. Oh, uh, OK. So this is a con- kind of controversial one. One thing that com- consistently fascinates me, Jeff, is movies that can be on someone's best of year list and also on someone's worst of year list. Like how yeah. how can one movie be both one person's favorite and one person's least favorite? I think Lay- that's a, me, I, Dave. I yeah. think that's a, I think that's a, actually a compliment to the movie. Like either love it yeah, or hate it, yeah. it forces you to make a. Because I I know it's a joke now, but I happen to love Crash. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you I go. I really do. I there love you go. Crash. I thought it was great. Uh, so uh, the movie I was going to identify is The Neon Demon, which uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, it continues to show Nicholas Winding Refn. Like, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, you know, he used to make movies that I found to be like very narratively satisfying. Um, when you talk about like Pusher, Push, the Pusher trilogy, even Drive, you know, and then he made Only God Forgives and The Neon Demon, and it seems like he doesn't give a crap about movie conventions anymore. He just wants to do things his way. But he, uh, he's been doing that for a while, to be honest. Like Valhalla Rising and even Bronson, that's not a very conventional film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. And I was, he I, has I, these two sides of him. And the, the Neon Demon, I know that's on some people's best of your lists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I can't crap on it too much. Also, Swiss Army Man, I picked that on my top 10. I'm sure that's on some people's worst of your list. I would, um, yeah, I would probably count that among my overrated lists this year. Oh, Swiss Army yeah. Man. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Neon Demon. It just it, it was what I perceived to be the worst of Nicholas Winding Refn's sensibilities. Like just a bunch of beautiful imagery thrown at the screen with no regard for narrative cohesion, uh, huge over the top performances, bizarre imagery that's never explained in the movie. Uh, and I'm sure these or are is reasons, it, Dave, or is it? These are reason like these are reasons why people love the film, but mm-hmm. uh, it does not make for a good viewing experience. Like for I Dave, wouldn't for say it's never explained. I think there's a lot of imagery that's up to your interpretation, and you know, if, if you think about it, I think there are ways to connect that film for sure. I hate that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So th- those are uh, some of our most disappointing movies. Okay. Uh, let's do overrated and then underrated. Let's end on a positive note. So <laughs> most overrated movie of the year. Devendra, you've already shouted out a couple. You think I, I would Army say Man. Swiss Army Man. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed watching it. I think upon just thinking about it, it doesn't feel like a movie that actually means much. It feels like an exploration of a lot of like – guy anxiety that i can understand um there's a lot about loneliness and anxiety in that film but i just feel like it 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 kind of folds in on itself there it's like a black hole of navel gazing 
and I understand it being enjoyable. And so, like, I don't even dislike weird. I love weird movies. I just don't think it actually means as much as, uh, you know, we're reading into it. Anything else overrated, Devendra, in your opinion? Uh, or, not that. Or, 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 honestly, this isn't a category I normally think about too much just because it feels it feels a little catty. You know, it feels like if I if I didn't get this movie, clearly it's overrated. But well, yeah, yeah. Army it's, Man it's, is it's the not only really one. overrated. It's like movie yeah. I didn't get. Movie yeah, that everyone yeah, thought was great. A way to say it. Movie yeah. I didn't get. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not about other people. It's about like you yeah. not getting a movie. Hey, uh, here's my most overrated movie of the year: Sing Street. I just do not oh, understand. You're shoot me in the gut. <laughs> I know, I know. It's th- that's just a movie that I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm one of those people that like didn't like it that much uh, because that mine's tickled. That <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting personal. Ouch. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a movie that I think has some positive qualities, but that ultimately the story is like a nothing story, and uh, the music I thought was only okay. So that's. Yeah. Newsflash: <laughs> Dave's music sensibilities are terrible. That's that, that plus uh, Hell or High Water. Those are like <laughs> movies I didn't just get. Just my number two and number three. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Movies where I just I didn't understand all the love for those movies. I didn't think they were. I didn't think they were horrible movies. But I just didn't understand what people saw in them. That I, I so do valuable. think those are both movies where you have to look beneath the surface a little. And there, I think there's just a lot more going on there. Well. Agree to disagree, Devendra. Um, Jeff Kanata, your most overrated uh, or movie movie I didn't didn't get. get, Movie I didn't get. I'll say it that way. Uh, Tickled is certainly on that list. I do not understand that. I don't get that. Uh, I mean, whatever. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. I just Mm. I. I think it's fine. Jeff, that movie is made for you. I know. That's why. (laughs) That's why it's like a movie I didn't get because. I, what am I missing? <laughs> because I should love it, but it, I just did not did not love it. It, it was fine. It's fine. Yeah. It just not. I didn't. I it's, felt like there's movies that do what it does better yeah. than it does it. There are a lot of those. Like honestly, I think it does what Swiss Army Man did, but better. Um, I, I think there are a lot of movies this year where if you end up rewatching them at some point, they may click a little differently. Because Sing Street is like that. It took me two watches to really appreciate what that movie is doing and same thing with hunt for the wilder people and i've noticed i could show that movie to anybody and they'll just fall in love with it like it's 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 so full of heart the other one for me is a monster calls uh i know that's getting a lot of buzz and i just i think it's very overrated uh it's it's again not bad it's not a bad movie it's just uh i don't think it deserves all of the all the buzz it's getting all right, uh, let's movies we didn't get. How about a movie they didn't get? Movie that is underrated. Movie that you feel like should have got more critical or, or box office uh, uh, acclaim, <laughs> if that's a thing. Uh, Devinder Hardwar. Popstar. I think Popstar was well-reviewed, but most people I've talked to have not fully engaged with that movie. Uh, so I'll say that for sure. Yeah, uh, it is a movie that performed disastrously at the box office. Uh, And that is a shame because like Jorma Tacone's other movie, MacGruber, I think it is truly – like Popstar made $10 million at the box office. It's very bad. Uh, MacGruber, movie that made about the same amount. I think both of those movies are hilarious. So uh, I think they really deserve more. 
love and attention. I can understand why people didn't get into MacGruber because that is a genuinely weird movie. Pop Star, it is it is very straightforward in its humor. It's like it's you don't have to dig deep to find it funny. I think there are a lot of great set pieces and stuff in there, and those special like the extra scenes really flesh out the movie a lot more. Uh, there are two more B attack sequences. In the deleted scenes of Popstar, and they're great. <laughs> you sound like an insane person talking about yeah. this crazy yeah. plot. But the B, uh, the B attack and the screen goes black, guys. Come on. Uh, that's Devendra's uh, movie they didn't get, underrated movie. How about you, Jeff Kanata? What's a movie they didn't get? An underrated I think movie? I already mentioned mine when we were talking about our, uh, our uh, honorable mentions, but I'll say them again. Deepwater Horizon and uh, Light Between Oceans. Oh, yeah. Light, Light Between Oceans almost made my top ten. And there was a version of my top 10 where it was still on there. And that is another example of a movie that has stayed with me, has stayed in my consciousness, especially mm-hmm. having a newborn uh, child in, in this year. I've constantly thought back to moments from that movie that are so powerful. And it is it is exquisitely shot. A really great movie that I don't understand. Maybe it just came out too early for people to kind of talk about it. But mm-hmm. – Great performances. Uh, I think it, it could very well have been an Oscar buzz type movie if it yeah. came out at a different time. I, I honestly just forgot to put that one in my honorable mentions, but I really love that movie too. It has also stuck with me. I almost wonder if it's too old-fashioned in terms of what they were trying to do, right? Because yeah. it's not like it's reinventing the wheel. It is a melodrama in the vein of like much, much older films, but it's so well done. I can't help but appreciate it. All right. Uh, well, I was also going to say the light between oceans, but you know, guys, I got to throw a wild card in here <laughs> just because Jeff said light between oceans, uh-huh. and say <laughs> movie they didn't get the accountant. <laughs> uh, I think, well, I think you're alone on this one, Dave. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they here's the thing. Here, here, I'm only putting <laughs> the this world on your despite. Sp- I I'm, am the same. I'm, I'm putting this on your despite, you guys, because. Uh, this movie is, in my opinion, so bad it's good. I think it is completely batshit insane, uh-huh. but also incredibly objectionable and offensive. And uh, and yeah, but, <laughs> and I don't know why people didn't at least recognize how fun it is at being horrible. You know. To, oh, to I have I have list. another movie that I didn't get. I you know I have a bunch more actually. That, everybody seems to have loved but me. That movie where it's like, am I in an alternate universe where everyone loves this movie but me? Yes. And that's The Nice Guys. Oh. What? I really, so that, that movie made some people's top ten lists. Yeah. I know. Everybody loved that movie and I did not. It's I, like I, a, yeah. I, it's like a detective novel with like some really great chemistry between the two leads, I think. You know? That's, that's, what, that's one of those ones you where – If you rewatch that one, Jeff, that, that's one of those movies I think it may click a little differently in a I, different it, you know, I, place I, or mood. I, I will say this, yeah. I don't. I don't. First of all, let me just say I don't agree categorically with Devendra's "watch it twice and you'll get it" uh, advice. But, it happens, dude. But I think. But in that case, that's actually a movie that that happened for. I watched it in theaters. I was like, oh, that was okay. And then I watched it again on Amazon, and I was like, oh wow, yeah, this is actually very enjoyable. I, um, I think it's very important. Like if you're ambivalent about a film or something, or if you're not quite clicking with it, rather than stewing and reading things online, like go <laughs> watch it again. I would say. And, 99% like, yeah. of the time, my opinion is only intensified. But that being said, <laughs> Devendra Hardwar. brain works. That's right. Devendra, uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Nice, nice Guys? Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Is, is it's, I didn't hate it by any stretch, but I, the way people just loved it, I, 
I felt like I watched a completely different movie than they did. I, 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 I you know, some people just like Devendra, like really, really loved the movie, and I, boy, it did not click for me at all. <laughs> I'm going to throw a couple other movies out there that I didn't get, you know, that I think were overrated, right? Uh, and that would be Midnight Special, oh, which man. I thought had Same. one of the worst endings uh, of any movie I've seen in this year. Like, squanders a, an awesome beginning and ends in, like, terribly. Um, and also The Jungle Book. That's a movie what? that I thought – I just did not get the love for that movie. Like I thought it was okay. – I remember you liking that during the review. Yeah. I thought it was okay Disney at best. I thought the I, – I was not a fan of the child actor who plays uh, the main character in that movie. Uh-huh. I just did not find a, a convincing performance. Um, and he has a lot asked of him and I don't think he quite lives up to it. Uh, I, I just did not – and also it's like a very, very like – half-hearted musical you know like there's only like three or four songs in it like it just it just it almost like wants to forget that it's a musical i like it's like the opposite complaint of your friends jeff they're like too much music i'm like not enough music in the jungle book so i like how we're getting increasingly petty as this uh oh yeah totally totally Uh, but thank you for bringing up midnight special because that was one i meant to include in my honorable mentions as well that's still a great movie and i'd call that it was reviewed pretty well yeah i just i remember being very very sad that you guys didn't like it and that's a shame because it's such a nice quiet sci-fi film and another one, I think I, I'd love for you guys to just see it and give me your opinion because I think you're going to hate it. But I really liked L. That would also be on my honorable mentions. And that movie is just that movie is insane. Yeah, like, I saw Paul Verhoeven's L as well. Uh, yeah. And we actually I should have talked about that in what we've been watching last week. Yeah. But basically, um, it's a movie you get out of and you, you think to yourself, what the fuck did I just watch? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, and it's it's very interesting. Yeah, I didn't I did not hate it at all or anything. Like all right. I, I, I really I really it's pretty like, interesting. It's it's, it's it, a troubling premise, yeah. but I think it's handled really really interestingly. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. It's, there's nothing else like it. Uh, you know what else would probably also be worth putting on the underrated or movie they didn't get list? Um, Hail Caesar, the new Coen Brothers movie that came out. Oh this yeah, year. yeah. You know that's a movie I think we all enjoyed. And yeah, it's um, very good. It's just it just it's sort of lower tier Cohen for me. It's, yeah. It's, their own oeuvre is so strong that it's hard to, and it's a very yeah. weird movie. It's just yeah. a very weird. I understand why people didn't like it that much, but it is a very weird movie. Uh, anything else we want to mention about this year in movies guys? Uh, it's, you know, it feels like we have lived a lifetime since, <laughs> you know, the beginning of the year. I mean, we're talking about movies that came out earlier this year that I'm, I'm guessing yeah. we're all yeah. shocked came out earlier this year like yeah. Z- uh, Zootopia came out this year Deadpool came out this year uh, yeah. you know like these are movies that feel like distant memories um, yeah. given all the stuff that we've gone through this year it's just been a very tumultuous year not just for us but for a lot of people in the world and uh, so there is a lot that happened I think the only other thing that we haven't really mentioned that I feel worth bringing up is uh, Ghostbusters you know, mm-hmm. w- was like a fairly big event when it came out this year. I mean, not at the box office. It did not do well. But it it was sad to see a movie co-opted into a political statement simply because it had women as the main actors in it. Um, I don't think it was co-opted into a political statement. I think that was the – that was a response to the dicks – online who were like oh girls can't be ghostbusters no no uh, what i mean it, what i mean is it, yeah. it was sad that 
your opinion on the one's opinion on the film had to then become a political statement. Oh, like, I don't. I mean, Dave, you keep saying that, and I remember your worries about that before the review. I don't think that's necessarily true. Maybe it was more of the time of the review, but looking now, like people, I, I think a lot of that sentiment has washed away a little. And well, I've also been meaning to check out the um, Blu-ray cut of that because apparently, I think the longer version people have liked more. Yeah, well, agree to disagree on that, Devendra, as well. But yeah, I mean, I think that like the way people took that movie, uh, it was it was difficult to get away from the politics of it, which which would have been fine uh-huh. if that was what was intended by the filmmakers. But they uh, they did not intend it as a political statement, and it became one uh, against their will. And I, sure, I think they like a lot much of good did things. If the villain is a literal internet troll. Like he's he's you know he's an internet man, baby. And I think the movie was kind of reshaped to. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think you might you have you have a point there. Uh, I guess I read this. My mm-hmm. thoughts on this movie are informed by this article that Paul Feig wrote for uh, Hollywood Reporter, where he basically said to himself, like he's saying, "I did not anticipate at all like one percent of the hatred that uh, would come in for this." I mean, and, who who does? Because it's ridiculous. It's completely insane. But I've just read a ton of reviews that were like, you know, the movie's not so great. And they didn't like there are definitely a lot of reviews where people didn't feel like they had to love it just for the sake of, you know, feminism or anything. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but what a what an odd episode. What a mess. What what an, an well, odd... I mean, that was pre-Trump, right? That was our early look at what would happen when women tried to have like an inkling of anything we're used to seeing men in. And we, we should that should have predicted everything, guys. That predicted the election, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah. Ghostbusters predicted at all uh what about television guys do you think this was the year of westworld or the year of stranger things which which show do you think is the more long-lasting impact on the television landscape i I feel like this is a discussion for a much longer separate episode even because i i we'd have to do a television retrospective but i i like I, I'm still pretty ambivalent about Westworld. I think it did some things well, and the conversation around Westworld was more interesting than the show itself. So, yeah, I, I don't think that means. I, 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 as I, I'm the opposite of Devendra again, as usual. This really, episode. really, yeah. Dave. I know. I, I really love Westworld, and I feel like I don't know that he's always success. I don't know that uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy were always successful at uh, what they were trying to accomplish, but at least they were trying to put a genuinely new and interesting spin on uh, some somewhat older ideas regarding AI, you know? And um, whereas I feel like Stranger Things was pure homage, uh, and I don't feel like much new was added. I feel like it was just recycling old concepts. But um, as a story, like, I felt that felt much more fulfilling to me, like, as a yeah. narrative and what they were trying to do. Uh, I, get, I get what you're saying. I disagree that I think that Westworld didn't really introduce that much new stuff. I yeah. mean, that's well, all. That's a whole other discussion. Dis- sure. Disagree as again as usual. How about you, Jeff Kanata? What are your uh, thoughts on it? I, I I brought it up because I'm not really certain where I where I land. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think they were both both captured the zeitgeist in a really interesting way, but um, I'm not really sure which which one I prefer if I had to choose one. Um, I think they're they, it's certainly they both defined the year in very different ways I think. All right. Um yeah, uh but TV is not something we've talked about that much in this episode because uh it would take a whole another episode. Yeah. Um the whole thing. I just wanted to bring up those two. Westworld was remarkable. I remember like in years past like when the Jinx aired that was incredible. 
You know, right. like that was like one of my favorite TV events of the year. Uh, I think something that also came out this year, which again feels like it came out a really long time ago. Uh, actually, it did come out in 2015 technically, but I don't think we really watched it until 2016. Was Making a Murder that also came out uh, this oh, year? Oh yeah, that feels was last like, year. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. OJ? The OJ FX series that was this year, right? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that was a big, uh, big thing. Pretty pretty skillfully done series, and uh, Sarah Paulson, who plays Marsha Clark, I think really did a great job. Th- that was a remarkable performance because it redeems that person in our popular culture. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. we did such a crappy job of uh, how, we, how we collectively as a society treated uh, Marsha Clark. And we had to atone for it in some way. Like, we as a society had to atone for it in some way. And the praise that Sarah Paulson's portrayal of that character has gotten, I think, has helped to do that somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's now remembered more as a hero instead of a shrill bitch, which is what a lot of uh, supermarket tabloids portrayed her as, yeah. unfortunately. And a lot um, of, like, legit uh, news yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of like too. legitimate news sources like that were being pretty sexist and unfair, you know. Yeah, um, which goes to show how fickle our freaking culture is, right? <laughs> like a, a TV, sh- it's a good show, but it's a TV show that took us to rethink how you know this real person and the experiences she had to go through. It's it's just to me, it's kind of a shame that that's what it took. But here, yeah. you know, we are in a real- reality TV show society right now, so yeah. it's all very strange. This is a person who tried to put away a double murderer, you know? Yeah, uh, and she was vilified for it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. Crazy that uh, a, a strong, uh, you know, opinionated woman who would try to put to stop, like, a horrendous other human being, uh, you know, would be... Somebody who's putting lives... Would, be, vil- would be vilified unfairly in our culture. It just... Yeah. I've never... I'm sure Strong that will never. Happen. I'm sure we've learned our lesson, guys, and that will never yeah. happen again. Well, Everything. The problem be... is, OJ was oh. able to talk directly to his audience through Twitter. <laughs> that was that was a flaw that is in that totally, instance. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait till next year when we re- reboot this podcast as a uh, you know movie reviews during the resistance. Like, <laughs> who knows what society will look like next year, guys? Yeah, the radio yeah. that people will be huddled around there, open fire, <laughs> listening to us. So let me tell you about this movie, guys. Remember when movies were a thing? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah. Anyway, uh, this was the the only other thing I feel worth mentioning this year. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Is this was a year when a bunch of sequels failed? Like they didn't do well. You know, we started to see the impact of the reboot sequel strategy and uh it's very mixed you know star trek beyond yeah. a movie that we all liked it made a lot less money than the last star trek even though it's a better film independence day resurgence you know we thought like davinder i remember when we did the summer yeah. movie wager you thought hey independence day resurgence this could be like a jurassic world this year you know this might make like a billion dollars not even close yeah uh we saw X-Men Apocalypse, you know. Um, so there are a bunch of movies that like uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. A lot of sequels that people thought were sure things that just failed utterly. Um, still, I think enough of them were successful that we're still going to see a bunch more sequels. But pretty soon it's just going to be Star Wars and Marvel films, I think, at the theaters. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, this was the the year of the fair se- the failed sequel. Of course, some very successful sequels too: Finding Dory, Captain America: Civil War. Um, you know, a, b- a bunch of successful sequels, but it, it just was a weird year 
uh, from a sequel perspective. Anything else you guys want to mention about 2016? Oh, man. It's just so much. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> That's the, Glad the thing. Glad it's like, ending. Yeah. It's sad how many people we lost. I mean, we just lost mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher, and it's just the last in a long line of, of really high-profile uh, artists that we lost. It's it's. Um, I know we lose people every year, of course, but it mm-hmm. seems for some reason like particularly genius level uh, artists were were taking. You know, not necessarily movies, although they made movies too. But you know, Prince yeah. and David Bowie and um, George Michael, and there there are so many just incredibly momentous talents who weren't that old. Yeah. You know, a lot of years, you know, you lose it. You lose a Paul Newman. It's like okay, well, that guy was was. Was was real up there. I mean, these are fifty, sixty year old people that are dying. Uh, it, it is a yeah. sad, sad state of affairs. And Alan Rickman was this year too. Like it is Alan just Rickman, yeah. this year was relentless. You know, Jeff, you're saying I'm glad it's over. I'm glad 2016 is over. I don't know if we're going to feel that way in a year from now. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, uh, people are talking about it like, oh, man, curse this year. But yeah, no. like, like uh, a number change. I, I'm, will I'm hoping we won't be in a situation where we will long for the sweet embrace of 2016. Well, um, I'm who hoping. knows what nuclear standoff will be in I'm, at this I'm time hoping. next year. I'm too. hoping. Like, hopefully it's all overblown and everyone's freaking out for no reason. And I really uh-huh. hope that's the case. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but if not, you know, uh, we'll just say this. We all had a good run. And uh, we're grateful for all the people who supported the Slash Filmcast this year, who listened to us, who commented, who emailed, uh, and who threw some money our way. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll keep doing the show as long as we have the actual infrastructure in this country to keep doing it. So, as long as we have power. Yeah. 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 And internet. Thanks for listening to uh, this year on the Slash Filmcast. And uh, I think we'll see you guys next week. We might take a break, but uh, other than that, you know, you should expect a new episode next week. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Find more episodes at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. We're out.